Banning Air, and you're listening to Season 6 of the Afropop Close-Up Podcast, where we go beyond the music into politics, religion, history, and culture. Today, we head to Turkana in the far northwest of Kenya, home to the enormous Kakuma Refugee Camp. This is a story about how music is helping to connect refugees to an adopted country, while at the same time reconnecting them with the homes they left behind. Turkana's eastern border is the long, slender Lake Turkana. To the north and west, the province borders Ethiopia, South Sudan, and Uganda. If you know anything about Turkana, it's probably because of Richard Leakey's remarkable archaeological finds there during the 1980s. Turkana Boy, unearthed in 1984, is a nearly complete skeleton of a 9 to 12 year old boy who died 1.6 million years ago, one of the oldest human remnants. Hip Deep historian Mark Levine notes that Turkana in the 21st century is a challenging place to live. Turkana is the largest county in Kenya, but it's also the most marginalized and, and in many ways the poorest. It's been suffering drought for a very long period. More recently, there's been oil discovered there. And of course, that's led to a lot of fear that what happened to the Niger Delta will happen to Turkana as well, which is a land that is, however challenged, still environmentally pristine, a land which is the cradle of humanity, in fact, right? As we know from the work of the Leakies, which really uh, lay the groundwork for understanding East Africa as one of the main, quote unquote, cradles of humanity. All of this has produced a lot of conflict. On top of this, you have civil wars in a whole bunch of countries, beginning with the horrific Sudanese civil war, the wars in Uganda, the conflicts in Burundi, the genocide in Rwanda. Then you have, of course, the Democratic Republic of Congo war that is one of the most brutal in the world with over four million dead. And you have, of course, the Somali civil war and the Ethiopian war. While doing research in Turkana, Mark got to know an ambitious young musician and producer determined to create music in this tough neighborhood of Central Africa. The two met in Turkana's largest metropolis, Lodwar. My name is Trina Tuma. I'm a music producer and photojournalist. I'm based in Turkana and I love music. At first I was a music artist and I used to go from Lodwar up to Nairobi just to look for a studio. In those days, Trainer was recording hip-hop and also a style called Kapungala. Kapungala is a mix of Kapuka and Lingala. Uh, Kapuka is our Kenyan music and Lingala is from uh, Congo. Then you combine two types of music, Lingala and Kapuka, to make a Kapungala. An artist called Daddy Owen calls himself the king of Kapungala. System ya Kapungala. Papa Fololo, the king of Kapungala. Kapungala 
But coming back to Trainor, that trip from Lodoire to Nairobi is an arduous two-day journey, not easy for a musician from this remote region of Kenya. I saw many people from Turkana traveling from Lodwa to Nairobi and the money they're using from transportation, uh, lodge. I saw that Turkana people are spending a lot. For example, maybe a one truck you can pay like a 10,000 Kenyan shillings, which is a $100. But when you spend from transportation, accommodation and everything, now you go and spend like a 500 US dollar, which most of our artists in Turkana cannot raise. That's what inspired Trainer to set up a recording studio in Lodwar. Now, Lodwar is not far from the Kakuma refugee camp, but in the beginning, the camp didn't really figure into his plan. We were organizing some shows, a dancing competition, and we realized that uh, most artists from Kakuma, they were interested with the gigs and shows that we were arranging. So the guys were coming from Kakuma to Lodwa. Most of them were artists and dancers. So after the shows, they were coming to my studio and tried to do something with them. They were trying to explain to me the challenge they are facing in the camp. Like, for example, they don't have any studio. That's the point where I realized that most of these guys have talent, they have real music. When you hear how they sing, they have passion in music. That's what I noticed and uh, I make a step now going to the camp and I start a, a studio there so that I can work with them. In the camp, there's no electricity, but uh, we use uh, solar, solar panel. Okay, before we go on, a bit more about Kakuma. Because of all those conflicts that Mark Levine mentioned, Kakuma is massive. At present, there are over 200,000 people living in this sprawling, isolated encampment. These people are from a wide variety of ethnic backgrounds and often with little likelihood of returning home. Kakuma refugee camp has been there now for almost three decades, 29 years. And because of that, it is very well established. It has hospitals, schools, markets. It has its own economy. But the camp is still isolated. They can't move in and out of the camp with any great facility, and it's actually illegal for them to leave the camp except during the day to go to the surrounding areas. So it's a sanctuary, but also a prison. You have people who are every day getting up and surviving and working, and not just surviving, but creating amazing cultures, creating new language. There's a kind of Kakuma type of Swahili, because Swahili is the lingua franca of all these different regions of East Africa creating kinds of music which have evolved as you have musicians from all over East and Central Africa living together, which you won't hear anywhere else. And that's what attracted me first to come to the camp. At first, Trainer just took a laptop and microphone to the camp. The studio he eventually set up in Kakuma was in a shipping container. It only lasted a few years. Financial support for the project was sporadic at best, and he couldn't find a local engineer. So around 2015, he switched to filming performances with artists from the camp. In Turkana, we had uh, this function called uh, Tobong Lore. Tobong Lore is a cultural event in Lodwa, whereby they invite a lot of East African people from different countries to come and perform their music. On the ground, as a journalist, I was trying to film. I realized, yeah, these guys have beautiful music. And after that day, I called Mark and tell him, we have something here. 
What was really interesting to me was the traditional musicians. What struck me immediately was that traditional musicians are double victims of any kind of process of forced migration. On the one hand, like everyone else, they're forced from their homes, forced to flee, often on very short notice because it's a natural disaster or a war or some kind of ethnic attacks. And the last thing you can take is your giant Burundian drum. You're not going to grab that when you're running for your life. You're not going to grab any other instrument, which is very delicate, often quite large, that represents your culture and your historical being. That really is a repository of your heritage, right? That's the last thing you can take. And if you try to take it, you'll wind up probably breaking it or losing it on the road. So many people have been in these camps like Kakuma for decades without access to their traditional instruments. Still, Trainer could plainly see that despite the separation from their communities and instruments, these refugees were keen to keep their traditions alive. By the traditional music now, I realize most people like traditional music. It's just feeling. When you see them performing, it's so nice. They dance with their own style. It's so nice. Every moment when you go to Takuma refugee camp, you'll get these guys just practice their music every evening on the river. And you'll see a lot of people just surrounding there just to come and see. Most of them like this African traditional music. They like a lot. hearing royal court drummers that South African musicologist Hugh Tracy recorded in Rwanda in the early 1950s. For example, for Burundi people, they are using these uh, metal drums. They put the skin on the top and they're imitating their own drums from the Burundi. So they don't have the real instrument from their home. So they are trying to make shift their own drums so that they can produce the same sound but they say this is not the sound that they needed. On that point, here's a clip from a YouTube video about the plight of Burundian drummers in the Kakuma refugee camp. Fleeing the country's ongoing violence, including numerous traditional drummers, are forced to create makeshift drums out of oil drums and cowhide. Not quite the same as those huge wooden drums Hugh Tracy heard. Many other things like flutes or different kinds of violins or xylophones or other traditional instruments, you simply can't substitute anything for. So the traditions just slowly die. So that's what led Trainer and Mark and colleagues to start Kakuma Sound, with the goal to bring traditional instruments into the camp. They got major Kenyan artists involved, and the administrators of the camp, including the UN High Commission for Refugees, offered support. So they began purchasing instruments. Burundian royal drum makers in exile in Rwanda started building drums for the camp. And instrument makers in Ethiopia and Sudan got busy as well. Yole Africa, a cultural organization in Goma, Congo, agreed to help. There were plans to bring artists and instrument makers into the camp to do master classes and teach young musicians. And then, of course, 
COVID-19 happened. We bought a bunch of drums from Nairobi and from Burundi that we are trying now to ship from Burundi to Kenya. And um, because of COVID, now we have a, a lot of challenge, that uh, challenge of borders. Yeah. But none of this is stopping trainer. Even today, I had some email from UNICR and uh, they are working on it. And uh, soon, soon, I think we love that drums here in Kenya. Adding to the complications of ongoing conflicts and a still potent pandemic, there's this. In March 2021, the UNHCR announced its intention to close the Kakuma refugee camp, as well as the large Dadaab camp, also in Kenya. The organization Refugees International has called this notion reckless, but Trainer doesn't seem especially worried. What I'm seeing on my side is like, uh, maybe the UNICR is coming with another way of dealing with these people from the camp. What is coming up is they want to integrate these guys to become Kenya citizens, I think. Not all of them, but they are trying to reduce the number of refugees in the camp. That's my thinking. Generous and optimistic thinking. The way UNHCR is trying to do that is by moving some refugees into an adjacent settlement called Kalobiei. Given the numbers in Kakuma, this is going to take a long time. And it's hard to imagine the Kenyan government offering citizenship to so many refugees. Nevertheless, Trainer says the mission of Kakuma Sound will go forward. As for now, for example, we have a lot of people in Kalobeye who have already become a Kenyan citizen. So if anything happened, like, for example, they closed the refugee camp, we will still do it on Kalobeye because Kalobeye is just the same people who are living in there. So I'm sure we will still do the project. The same musicians from the same conflict-ridden countries with the same problems and the same needs for instruments and support. Few of us can imagine what these refugees have endured or what lies ahead for them. Whatever happens, their need for their own cultural music will endure, and it's good to know that Kakuma Sound will be there for them. This Afropop close-up was made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. But to keep this series going, we need your support. Visit afropop.org and make a donation. Every dollar counts. For Afropop Worldwide, I'm Banning Air. Bye, 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 bye,